Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Money Mitch Effect. Hi, I'm Mitch Michaels, your host of this podcast. Uh, delighted to have you with me as we talk sports. Big college football slate this weekend. Matt Gothard from the Yahoo Sports betting department is coming on to break down all the lines. He's a Michigan State fan. They got the Wolverines this weekend. Ohio State, Penn State, Georgia, Florida, Ole Miss, Auburn. A lot of big games to break down with Matt Gothard. And then I talked to Tom Weisenbach. NFL action. We are still looking for somebody to beat the Arizona Cardinals. They're undefeated. What to make of the Chiefs struggles. A lot to break down in the world of pro football. We also get his take as a Philly sports fan on the Ben Simmons fiasco debacle. Pick your adjective. It's Matt Gothard and Tom Weisenbach on today's Money Mitch Effect episode. Let's start the show. All right, now joining us on the Money Mitch Effect, no stranger to this show, no stranger to the podcast space, myself, Yahoo Sports betting guy, and a dear friend of mine, Matt Gothard, lives in Minnesota, family man now, but still above all else a gambler. Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks, buddy. I'm glad you put in there above all else still a gambler, because uh, as much as I didn't think that'd be true after having a kid, it is very true. Yeah. Uh, That's actually all I got right now is I'm on leave. (laughs) <laughs> on leave but this is like college football we're in week nine and on one hand right like we're we're sad that the season's moving along so fast which we always are but on the other hand we look to these weeks like you need those reckoning weeks all right everybody's set the table a lot of undefeated teams especially in the big 10 they got to play each other at some point and, uh, i think as sad as we are that the season's just been moving along so fast this is really what we came for yeah a hundred percent. I mean, my kid's undefeated. He still hasn't seen a Michigan State loss yet. This weekend, we're really put into the test uh, with the Michigan game. So we'll see. We'll see what he's made of early. You know. But uh, yeah, this is one of the best weeks, um, especially as a Big Ten fan, uh, that you can ask for. So let me let me ask you this question before we get to the games itself and break down all the all the matchups. You look at the rankings, and I actually don't know the answer. I know you you and uh, another friend of the program, Kent Brown, are. Uh, making super contest picks and whatnot. But as we look at the top 10 ranking, it's Georgia, Cincinnati, Cincinnati, followed by Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State in the top five. Then it's Michigan, Oregon, Michigan State, Iowa, and Ole Miss rounding out the top 10. Did you make any future bets for the playoffs? And if so, or maybe not if so, what are your thoughts on the rankings and, and how it's kind of shaping up before some of these big ranked matchups? You know, to, so short answer is no, I didn't make any future bets. I'm really bummed I skipped Michigan State over four wins. Now looking back at that, that would have been one of the better bets to make. But, you know, the one that sticks out is Cincinnati, and I think that it's almost like they have to keep winning and they kind of have to hope that Notre Dame keeps winning because obviously uh, Indiana is no longer really a good win anymore. Mm-hmm. So you, they kind of need the Irish to keep holding on. That's the one that's the most interesting to me. You know, obviously Alabama, Georgia, you feel like they'll play. And if Georgia beats Alabama, hard to think that they would get two teams in. Now, if Alabama beats Georgia, they probably yeah. do get two teams in. But, you know, Oklahoma's kind of the last hope, really, for the Big 12, you feel like. And I feel like Big 10, as long as it's not just a murder's row in the Big 10 East, uh, they'll probably be, they'll get a team in for sure. You know, um, I yeah. think Pac-12's probably out. Mm-hmm. But very interesting time of the year. Well, yeah, and, and we've kind of talked about this before, but I think that a one loss, whether it's Michigan, Michigan State, or Ohio State, or even Iowa, if they run the table, they're going to get into the playoff. 
that would take one of the spots, at least one SEC, maybe two with Alabama. I think Cincinnati's in okay shape given that they would need a lot to happen. Like there's still a scenario where they miss the playoff, but it's going to need a lot to break against them, which in previous years you'd say maybe the other way. You need a lot to go your way. It would, it's possible for sure, but Oklahoma, who's just been escaping by the skin of their teeth, I mean, barely beating Kansas, that was, a, that was tough for all the people laying the points in that game. But I think Cincinnati's in okay shape. I don't think, I think if they went out, they're more likely than not to make the playoffs. But hey, all it takes is something funky to happen. Oregon could win out, and then they've probably got to be in at that point. Yeah, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see. I mean, if it's coming down to Cincinnati versus Oregon, you got to probably give it to Cincinnati since Oregon has such a bad loss against Stanford. But yeah, if they went um, out though, I mean that would be that that's that's a real coin flip, right? Like if Oregon wins out, looks kind of impressive in some of those games. That's a tough decision. Yep, and it, I mean a lot of that comes down to what does Notre Dame do? Because yeah. Notre Dame still has who they got. They got North Carolina coming up, uh, Georgia Tech. They really don't have like a, a mm-hmm. murder's row of, no. of of schedule left. So if they went out, that's all of a sudden like a top ten win. Yeah. Um, obviously, Oregon has the win against Ohio State, so it'll be very interesting to see how it how it turns out. It seems like there's a lot of a lot of good teams on a collision course here. Boy, Michigan State, you would have clinched that bet in, in basically September. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, immediately. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I I know you're a fan, and I know you know you you support Iowa. But Michigan State's your team, and you had both running you know undefeated for a while. Michigan State's still there, but. Mel Tucker and the job that he's done took a lot of flack going forward, but at the start of his tenure at Michigan State. But he's done some things. He's, he's said everything, and he's actually beaten Michigan already as a huge underdog. But I loved what he said about the program, how they're built to play and built to beat Michigan. So he's a, he's a confident guy, and you know the results are there through a couple seasons as we get into this big showdown this Saturday. Yeah, we're in for without derailing this into a Sparty Talk One Hundred and One. <laughs> we're about to really find out who Mel Tucker is because you know last year we had the two wins against top 10 teams I'm not quite sure I even count Northwestern as a top 10 team at the time yeah. but uh or a ranked team but this row here of going up against Michigan we got Ohio State Penn State Purdue um that's easy to lose a lot of these games so can they if we drop a game here soon how do you how does he respond you know like it's obviously right. you know we've kind of been escaping some games so can they respond after they hit some bumps in the road and uh, I'm really interested to see how his uh, how his squad handles adversity. Well, let's get right into it here, Matt. Um, big Big Ten kickoff, 9 a.m. on Fox. It's Michigan, Michigan State on the West Coast, I should say. We have to, we still have to get up early out here to watch these games. So you know, it's, it's Halloween weekend. We're making sacrifices, <laughs> but uh, the line has jumped from since it said it opened at about two. It's at four and a half now for Michigan, roughly over under about fifty and a half, and. I think it's worth pointing out we're about to really find out about Michigan State, Matt. I think Michigan you can make the same case for because they are undefeated. They've handled business, but but they haven't looked flawless. There's been times they've teetered. The schedule hasn't been necessarily tough. Nebraska's looked better. They beat them. Wisconsin was on the fringe with the quarterback knocked out. So I think this is a game to learn about two teams that are trying to contend. And I think it's another chance for Harbaugh to see how he can do in a big game with expectations. So... How do you see the line first shaping up for you as a betting fan before you talk about the Spartans' chances to overall win this thing? Yeah, I think that what's so tough about this is when we look look back last year, Michigan State's a 21-point underdog against Michigan. It's like, those are the games I get excited to bet on Michigan mm-hmm. State. 
in this game, minus four and a half against the team. And uh, and I, I say as much as you say that Michigan hasn't beat anybody, I don't really think Michigan State's beat anybody yet. Yeah. We've kind of really run into some issues, especially against Nebraska, especially against Indiana, on teams that could stop the run. And, I, you know, this week might be a week of tough-to-swallow pills. And I think one of those pills is that Michigan, this might be Harbaugh's best Michigan team that he's had. And the reason I say that is because they don't have the one playmaker. There's not really necessarily one way to stop Michigan. They kind of are just solid overall. Mm-hmm. Whereas Michigan State, if you can stop the run, then you're then you're kind of in a formula for success. So I really, uh, in this game, I, it, it's a stay away from me. I don't think four and a half is enough uh, for me to, to bet Michigan State. Obviously, I'll probably bet Michigan State money line. <laughs> but it's not enough points that, I, I, it's, it's one of those situations that I kind of feel like Michigan State could be overrated. Uh, coming into this game, I'll be honest. As an outsider, I, I it's hard to know if either of these teams are overrated, underrated. Like we said, this is where it was all roads leading to. I mean, Michigan, Nebraska was a three point Michigan win, and Nebraska has looked better, but they've been just kind of they've been a second half team, and their defense has actually been what's turned on for the Wolverines this year. I, I love the fact that you didn't mention Miami in that game because you guys beat you guys beat that disaster of a program pretty good, uh, but. <laughs> Yeah, disaster yeah. of a program. That's the key word. Dude, they, they are. That's not you know. Yeah, next, not a good win anymore. Next year's recruiting class is I think in like the fifties or sixties right now down in uh, South Beach. So tough, tough to see there. But no, I I think that uh, I like your strategy. We don't know much about how these teams are going to show up. Four and a half points isn't that dangerous, dangerous uh, you know point spread land. You got to just go money line at that point, because who's to say that yep. it's not even it's. It's probably either going to blow up completely, or your or Michigan State's going to win this game. That's exactly how I think. It's like Michigan's going to win by twenty plus, or Michigan State's going to pull out the win. It's a really it's tough to think that, and maybe they'll keep it within four and a half, and I'd be actually pretty happy if they did that. But you could easily see it, like you said, going one of those two ways. Yeah, I'd have to see too. I feel like this could be a dogfight game, and maybe I might sprinkle the under here because I, I just don't know what the offenses are going to look like, even in that Indiana-Michigan State game where you guys just kind of use your defense to will it to the end. So we'll see. Uh, I, I know it's going to be, you know, 11 a.m. where you're at. Uh, are you going to have the two monitor on for this and then the uh, just the punt fest between Iowa and Wisconsin? <laughs> oh, yeah, I want the four. I got the four monitors going. So you know, we'll throw on some Texas Baylor. Or something. Oh, yeah. I'll get on some, uh, something else degenerate-wise. You know, maybe Rutgers uh, – Rutgers game. We'll I, see. We'll I had see. To, I had to bring up Iowa Wisconsin tribute every year when they play over under is thirty six and a half points. <laughs> it's like the how low can we legitimately send a, set a total at? And it's you, like they're like well thirty six and a half yeah, is, the, is the floor. That's pretty much it. Uh, what do you think about Iowa being a dog in this one? Three and a half points. Yeah, I mean I'm gonna I'll keep betting Iowa every time they make them an underdog this season. I mean this will be the third time. And uh, both games paid out pretty well. I mean, Iowa betters in general, they've been a good team to bet on. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you can say the same about Wisconsin this season. Um, no, no. I mean, look, if I told you, hey, let's flip a coin. If I win, you're going to pay me $90. If you win, I'm going to pay you $135. You're going to just say flip the coin already. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, this is Iowa money line, I think, all over it. Yeah, I also think Iowa, you have to expect games, oddly enough, maybe sadly enough is a better way to put it. They're not going to run the table. They're going to lose a couple games like the Purdue game. It just kind of happens. You've watched enough Iowa football to see that. Yep. They're usually they're going to have those outlier games, and Ference is going to win nine between eight to ten games. Um, 
And Wisconsin's offense is just dreadful. I think it's like Iowa has an identity. I just don't know what Wisconsin's is. Yeah, I mean, this is pretty much the Big Ten West championship game. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. is crazy to say. I mean, maybe Minnesota can beat Iowa and Wisconsin, but I believe that once it happens. And uh, if Iowa can win this game, it's pretty much wide open for them as long as they can beat, uh, as long as they can kind of win out, which they don't have a crazy hard schedule going forward. More with Matt Gothard here on the Money Mitch Effect. Since we're in this Big Ten college football range, uh, let's go to Ohio State, Penn State uh, in the uh, late afternoon, early evening slate, I should say. Uh, Penn State losing that just ridiculous game to Illinois where we're in the two-point conversion land and it went to like nine overtimes. They lose at home to Illinois. Ohio State, I think, has a stat, something crazy like they have uh, 20 touchdowns in their last 22 drives or something stupid like that. 18-and-a-half-point favorites against Penn State. Now, I was I was reading up on your thoughts already, Matt, and you're, 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 you're <laughs> you know where I'm going. You, you like the points in this one. You think Penn State's defense can, can hold tough on there. Is that still where you're at, given what I just said? Yeah, and I, I want to tread lightly because I know that the host of this show is pretty pretty big Ohio State fan. So, and, I, and Ohio State's been good to me in the past. Mm-hmm. I just – my thing is this. I think – Sports betting in general is is a world. You know, we talk about Michigan State and they're yeah. four uh, over four and under four wins in the season, and now they're way above that. And now all of a sudden they're only three point dogs against Michigan. But like, I think betting in general is buy low and sell high on teams, and this is kind of a perfect situation in terms of buy low and sell high. Ohio State coming off of a massive win last week, they look super dominant. Penn State horrible loss at home mm-hmm. against Illinois, but. 18 and a half points. I mean, you, you look at, I tweeted this out earlier, but like Penn State at the most has given up 23 to Iowa and every other game has been 20 or less. Yeah. So obviously Ohio State's the top team, the best team that Penn State's played, but you could make the, uh, could make the, the statement that Penn State's the best team that Ohio State's played. So I, it's hard to not take the 18 and a half here with all due respect. No, I understand that. And I look, Let's just call it for what it is. This line was 12-and-a-half until Penn State blew it against Illinois. So that's a six-point swing yep. on just a dreadful game. Illinois, obviously, there's no reason to lose that game. But I, I see what you're saying. Penn State's defense has actually done well. Even in that game, they, they've done well. Here's here's my, my closing to all this. Ohio State's done well to me this year in the teaser land, and I think this is another example. I, I, would, I would say coin flip at best that they cover this spread. But I plan on teasing Ohio State down to about 12 and a half. Yeah. And if the Ohio State that's been playing shows up and the Penn State that's been playing shows up, obviously it just depends on what Clifford looks like. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that'll be, that'll, that'll hit. I do think it's, you know, when yeah. you look at Ohio State's schedule so far, you got Tulsa, Akron, Rutgers, mm-hmm. Maryland, yeah. Indiana. This is another big game. You know, we talked about knowing what, we're, what Michigan and Michigan State are about. So Ohio State comes out here and covers this spread and wins by 21 plus. Like, it, they're they're the team we're all kind of saying they are. I uh, just got to see it first, and and I hope they win by a lot because that means that Michigan isn't going to win the Big Ten, and uh, that's kind of where I'm, I'm, my fear is this year. I so, know. Gosh, secretly uh, rooting for you. You mentioned Clifford too. I don't think there's a worse backup quarterback situation in college football no. than Penn State has. When you had Iowa in that game, literally kneeing the ball so they could punt it back to them. Uh, <laughs> That was that was insane, but I I think the James Franklin stuff might play a factor too. I mean, I don't want to say he's got one foot out the door, but he's he's entertaining yeah. other offers. Yep, 
I mean, the, it is worth saying that this is Penn State's season. You know, this is if you lose this game, the rest of it doesn't matter. You know, you're you're already out of the Big Ten. Best case, nine and three. Uh, if you win this game, all of a sudden you're kind of in the mix. You got to hope for a loss yeah. for uh, you know some madness to happen in the Big Ten East, but definitely doable. So uh, I'm very excited for this game. I think the atmosphere will be fun at Ohio State. Uh, it's going to be a fun late night game. It should be. It very well should be. Uh, late night for me. Late night for you. Late, late night for you. I'll, <laughs> I'll be just getting warmed up. Uh, SEC style, there's a couple big games I wanted to mention, two in particular. Obviously, I don't think we call it the outdoor cocktail party anymore. I don't think that's allowed. But Georgia and Florida, whatever they're calling that game in Jacksonville, Florida is a 14-point dog. Home state, but not home advantage. Important to remember. Georgia's just been incredible this year, Matt. It's almost like they don't... They can win with either quarterback. Their defense is full of NFL players. And Florida, they are all over the place. They lost to LSU two weeks ago. They lost to Kentucky. It seems like they're going to be making a QB change. Do you have a read on this one going into one of the more historic rivalry games in college football? No, I think I'd have to take the 14. Just because we've seen Florida compete with the good teams that they've played. Like if I remember right, it's not in front of me, but I think it was close against Alabama. Um, LSU is such a tough game. It's like so impossible to have a read on that team right now. Mm-hmm. But I think that Florida could keep this close. Now, I think they have three losses, so their season's kind of done in terms of what SEC people consider a season. So I could see them not getting up for this game. But you do feel like this is kind of their last big game of the year, kind of similar like we're talking about Penn State. Yeah. Uh, they're going to be up for it. and I think. It's, but Georgia's defense, not a fun team to bet against right now. No, and that's why this this over underline in like the fifty one range is kind of terrifying, because normally right. you think, okay, like, this is the SEC, you know, the modern day SEC points can be scored. Georgia just smothers teams when they win. I mean, it was like Arkansas, you know, thirty five three scores. They shut teams out. They keep them out of the end zone. I I I agree with you. Florida's terrifying in in the other sense because did they quit on their season? What 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 are they going to bring in this game? Georgia has the best chance they've ever had you know, in the last 30, 40 years to get to that title game. So, you know, they're going to be locked in. I just, I'm going to probably stay away from this one. If anything, I'll, I might throw George into that teaser bucket at like eight points or so. But, man, I, I the Gators are a tough team to figure out because they could play top teams close. It's almost like they played at the level of their competition. Yeah, it's crazy that this game, uh, for the, for how good Florida looked earlier in this year, is like the fifth best game to watch this this weekend. Yeah, uh, if the fifth best game. Yeah. yeah, are you be watching Auburn Mississippi? Absolutely, I'll be watching Auburn Mississippi. Because that's that's a Auburn two and a half point favorites. I mean, that that yeah. I, I'm I'm almost going to say trapalicious because you look at that and you're like, wait, Auburn's a favorite. Like Vegas is literally saying, okay, I'll miss prove it. Like you got expectations now. You got a Heisman favorite potentially. Let's see, go into Auburn and win this game at night. Yep. I mean, the if the only play really for me here is the over because I don't think either of these defenses are, are solid at all. Yeah, sixty-six uh, points, yeah, man. So I easily see that easily see that hitting pretty early in the third quarter, to be honest. Um, but uh, you know, we'll see. Ole Miss is such a fun team. I mean, that Tennessee Ole Miss game 
That made uh, when the USA played in Mexico in soccer and Mexico yeah. was throwing all the stuff on the field. I was like, man, I've never seen this in sports before. That is now gone to my memory. And now, now my biggest Ole Miss memory is seeing mustard being thrown at, uh, at Lane Kiffin. It, so. it was French's too. Yeah, it was a six-hour football game, and it ended with the former Michigan quarterback running out of bounds. But, yeah, we'll remember oh, the mustard fair. more than anything. Uh, I, I yeah. just I, – you have those weeks, and you know too, when you look at a line like how is this possible – uh, you know, I, I feel like Mississippi State, Kentucky. Mississippi State actually opened as a slight favorite. It flipped a little bit to Kentucky minus one and a half. Uh, another game where I'm not sure what to believe because Kentucky's looked pretty good this year. And Mississippi State, I know it's a home game in Starkville, but I just haven't seen much from them to make me think that they're that legit of a team. But Vegas says otherwise. Yeah. Well, Alabama said otherwise, I believe, <laughs> when they beat them. <laughs> they're pretty badly. Yeah. The other week, but I mean, it is at home. You do feel like uh, last week I bet Mississippi State uh, minus twenty against Vanderbilt, and that was like amazing. That's one of those ones where you're just looking down the card quick before the game starts. You're like, oh, only minus twenty versus Vanderbilt. Yeah. yeah. But uh, this game, I think it's a Kentucky play, right? I mean, obviously they got the cowbells going, so that's always tough. But uh, I think that's all they got going for them at home. I really think that is all they have going for them. Uh, Matt, do you have any other games that you're really eager bet on or some lines that you saw yeah. and jumped on early? Let, let's hear so, I want the tasty picks I'm right so now. glad that you asked me this. And this is one of those ones that if you're somehow listening to this and you don't know this, you're going to all of a sudden you know, sprint to your book. But how on God's green earth is Nebraska minus 7.5 against Purdue? I don't really understand <laughs> there you go. What, <laughs> what they're doing in Vegas here. What's yeah. going on? That last week, uh, Purdue beat you know Iowa two weeks ago. What has Nebraska done that makes anyone want to lay seven and a half percent? It scares me, but there's no chance that I won't be on Purdue money line and plus seven and the hook against this super overrated, somehow overrated with three wins Nebraska Cornhuskers team. Yeah, that's a good one. They they what they destroyed Northwestern, right? That that's all we needed to see. Yeah, but everyone <laughs> no, destroys Northwestern. <laughs> Yeah. They lost to Illinois by eight. I, I just uh, I, what are you I doing? Love those, I love those games where you take a team that shouldn't be getting points um, and you're just there shouldn't be favorite and you're just like, how is this line possible? Uh, I kind of like Pitt to just blow the doors off Miami this week. I think Pitt's kind of turning around what their program is. And I, I know Miami had the NC State win last week, but I'm not buying it. I, I'm not, I think that was the Miami Fools gold week. Yeah, we have a, you know, as you mentioned, our friend of the program, Kent, uh, He this is his, like, one of his Iowa-Michigan State games where it's Miami versus a team that he, you know, kind of has, has feelings for. One of his seven But uh, I know he's high on high on Miami on this game. But um, yeah. tough, to, tough to take Miami right now. Yeah, I, I just think Pitt's playing a little better. I know the Clemson game last week, Clemson's just a complete disaster. I, I don't think I'll be watching a snap of, I can confidently say, Clemson-Florida State. It would take a lot <laughs> to get me to watch any of that yep. with all these other good games there. Um, other other games that we haven't really touched on. I know you mentioned Notre Dame. This is big for them. North Carolina and Notre Dame. They had a lot of aspirations, these two teams. And Notre Dame still with just the one loss. But North Carolina has kind of fallen off hard from their lofty expectations preseason. Yeah, wow. What a what a fall from grace from being like a top 10 team to 4-3. and three and, uh, But I just don't think Notre Dame's that good. I, I, I think that this game is, is one that I probably won't be watching, actually. But I would probably take North Carolina, take a flyer on them to, mm-hmm. to beat Notre Dame. 
Um, but I just can't believe Notre Dame six and one with how bad they've looked. I know that that's a very unimpressive six and one. Um, quickly on the Big Twelve, do you have any? Re- I mean, we mentioned Texas and Baylor earlier. Oklahoma plays Texas Tech. I can't think that Oklahoma has covered a lot recently without looking at the stats. Twenty points in that one. Texas Baylor is about to pick them. Any other games besides those two, maybe that you're looking at in the Big Twelve? You know, I, I was interested in West Virginia against Iowa State, catching seven at home. West Virginia is a pretty solid home team, and they're not great on the road. But I kind of like them to uh, to keep this one close against Iowa State. Uh, that one that one kind of stuck out to me. Yeah. Obviously, I think Oklahoma is going to end up dropping one of these games coming up soon. They have not looked great, but uh, it's just tough. On the, Tough to get too invested in that game. I haven't been impressed with Texas Tech yet. I was going to ask you, too, what do you think is more dangerous or slash exhilarating, betting on the Big 12 or the Pac-12? Oh, Big 12 because at least I feel like I'm watching top talent. Pac-12, <laughs> the Pac-12 is like I might as well, and I actually I for sure prefer the Mountain West over Pac-12. Yeah, I think we should do the theory of just betting a small amount on every, you know, underdog sizable underdog like let's say over six points i mean even if you did your money line theory i just feel like the upsets have hit so much in the pac-12 it's almost like yep. when a team gets when a team expectations they just play terrible you know like i yep. think i think ucla at plus six and a half can go into utah and win but you know <laughs> like i don't i just feel like it's as soon as you anoint a team or crown a team so to speak they just completely blow it absolutely you know, and we mentioned the mountain west uh, Hawaii versus Utah. There it is. I was waiting for Hawaii. 65. <laughs> I was waiting for we Hawaii. We got to go with the over here. Those are two of the worst defenses I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, Utah State, probably one of the worst coach teams, but probably one of the, like, ama- they have some amazing playmakers on offense. And Hawaii's defense is so bad. They're so bad. They had two pick sixes and still didn't cover against uh, New Mexico State last week. And it's like, that. that is so hard. I'm with you um, on the over. I like the over. Yeah, I'm with you on the over. My only concern is this is a, a day game. Don't like that. Yeah. No, <laughs> it's that, never good for Hawaii. I think that's, that should be it's illegal. It's the opposite of home field advantage. I will say also, uh, Arizona State, 15-point favorites against Washington State. The last time Arizona State played, they played Utah, and they had one of the worst halves of football I've ever seen. I think they were up 14 and lost by at least 14 in that game. So um, yep. I think that's a lot of points for any of those teams to get. Um, so that's I'll just throw out there as well. Uh, any other degenerate special games? Maybe the lower ranked games. Got to find on ESPN Plus oh, yeah. or maybe Facebook streaming or. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, on the uh, Facebook Plus. No, yeah. but if if on Friday night you're looking for something to do at nine o'clock uh, Central Time, my time, seven o'clock your time, we have the UNLV zero and seven rivalry headed yeah. to Nevada. Yeah, and I um Nevada's minus twenty, but I am so interested to. Uh, see UNLV and take UNLV because UNLV has been very close to getting that first win since 2019, yeah. which is two seasons ago. And uh, every time they get close, you always just see the highlights of the game that they won, which was against Nevada. And this is a big, 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 big game for them because that's all they need is the one win. I kind of like UNLV to pull out the win here, but I'd like it to be close. They actually have not looked nearly as bad as the record shows. Yeah, that's... Wow, we're really scraping the barrel, but I like it. I think you know be. Oh, it's the top of the barrel. barrel. It, is, it is the top of the barrel, and if they win, you're gonna. I think you also just want to be on the right side of history too. 
So yeah, you have that idle yeah. I mean, <laughs> UNLV has the turnover slot machine. So that's, I mean, it's really hard to not love a team that has the turnover slot machine that they, yeah. uh, they we, go and pull the lever on. And we can get to the root of this. It's Vegas. So I know you have an affinity for, for Vegas as well. Yeah. So you're always going to, you know, yeah. be a, be an honorary member of them. Well, no, I think this was fun. I think we, we covered a lot of ground here. And I'm, you know, look, I'll say I'm, I'm rooting for Michigan State and you to do well. But I also am a little worried because if they win this game, man, it's going to be 0-100 to 100 full bore ahead. You'll be not just drinking the Kool-Aid, but, you know, doing a bobbing for apples. In the injecting Kool-Aid. the Kool-Aid. And you'll be, I'll be injecting the Kool-Aid. They win this game. We're, we're, we're talking playoffs at this point, right? Like we're talking about an Ohio State showdown probably for a lot more than yeah. just, just the, you know, the, the share of the Big Ten. Yeah, I I, uh, I refuse to even let those thoughts in my head at this point. But uh, I'm still I'm still operating on the one of the games between Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State. Now, if we win this game, you're right; it totally changes your mind on what the season can be. But let's just uh, one snap at a time. Yeah, and you want to make sure that of all those things, and even maybe maybe even oddly enough, more than a, a Big Ten title or a playoff appearance, that just making Jim Harbaugh sad is like goal number one. Yep. Yep. If he, you know, that's the thing. It's like if he wins the Big Ten title uh, and then goes to the playoffs, these last five years of misery for him don't really mean anything. And that's very important to, you know, we need to maintain that. Well, here we go. We'll we'll know in a couple a couple hours into Saturday whether it's going to be a happy Halloween for the Gothards. Uh, Matt, pleasure, <laughs> pleasure talking to you. It was fun. We uh, I'm a big fan of what you're doing, obviously, on Yahoo Sports. Uh, keep up the good work there. And, uh, you know, give my best to the family. Thanks for coming on the show and talking some college football. Thanks for having me, bud. Huge thanks to Matt Gothard again. Check out all the stuff that he does on Yahoo Sports, the betting department. It's just phenomenal stuff, uh, and uh, it can win you a lot of money, as we've seen in the past. But pleasure to talk to my boy Matt Gothard. Now we're going to switch it up and talk NFL and some NBA with Tom Weisenbach. We break down who are the real teams. Are the Bengals a real NFL team? Can we call them legit? He's a Philly guy, so we talk a lot about his Eagles, what to make of their future. I sprinkle in my brown stuff as well. We make some NFL picks this week before talking about Ben Simmons, the Sixers debacle with him, and where they might go from there. It's Tom Weisenbach now on the Money Mitch Effect. Here it is. All right, now joining us on the Money Mitch Effect, talking a lot of football and obviously Philly sports. It's a recurring guest friend of the show, Tom Weisenbach. Tom, how are you? And uh, welcome back. Hey, Mitch. Yeah, thank you. I think this is first of the 2021 football season for me. It's always good to be on the show. Yeah, we'll we'll start with like a, I guess, just kind of a quick aside and a quick downer. I know it's unfortunate, but I'd have to think that this is a, a collective low point for Philly sports. Like collectively for all four of them, I, I think this might be, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like lowest morale. You would not be wrong in that in that case. Um, expectations were not really there for the Eagles this year. There really were none. It was kind of a let's see what we have type of thing. And then the Ben Simmons thing kind of throws an entirely different wrinkle into that equation. But, uh, you know, I hate to say it, but hopefully the Flyers don't drink from that that, that mojo. We're, we're, we're hoping it's not contagious still. Uh, 
it's early, but we'll see. Yeah, the Flyers thing, and we'll get to the Eagles in a second. Or the Phillies, you know, it didn't didn't achieve what they were desired to do. It's uh, you know they're two one and one. I don't want to just trash on the Flyers that much, but it's the goaltender thing, right? Like you just he's Carter Hart's got to get his mojo back, and if he doesn't, then it's that's like, essentially what. That's essentially what it hinges on yeah. every year is either the goaltending or the defense in front of him, and, yeah. and it's like a chicken or the egg. What's going to happen first for Philadelphia and the Flyers? Is is the goaltender going to be the, the, the phenom or is it going to lie in front of any goaltender, you know? Yeah. And it and, and that's kind of where that success comes from over the last, you know, 20 years of getting to the playoffs with that. But since the division's realigned, it's a lot tougher road to hoe for them. Man, Flyers and the goalie, it's, it's crazy how it always comes down to that. Uh, but looking at football in the NFL and, uh, you know, the Eagles, the what, what that I wanted to get your opinion on with the Eagles because I know based on what started happening towards the end of last year, the coaching change, the roster moves, trades now in season, that this wasn't going to be an Eagles year where they were going to go for it, where they were even going to go for potentially a playoff spot. They're two and five now. They they won week one over the Falcons and one and five since then. They traded away Ertz. They were going to ride Jalen Hurts for uh, we think the season. We'll see what the future holds for him. But after last week's loss to the the Raiders, another game where like the Bucks game, Tom, they showed flashes. They showed signs that they can be competitive with any of these teams. It just didn't happen down the stretch. Where are you on the Eagles, and more importantly, not just this year, but the direction of what this franchise is trying to do yeah i mean it's it's definitely disappointing when you come in and you you want to be excited about a new coaching staff a new kind of philosophy a new culture um and then they kind of lay stinkers 32 points given up 41 points given up opponents i think five of the last six games they've allowed the quarterback to complete 80 percent or more of their passes which is unheard of and so it's very disappointing that that the tough defense that we're accustomed to in Philadelphia is just not there. They're playing a basic vanilla zone drop back and, and a competent NFL quarterback save Sam Darnold uh, basically carves yeah. them up. And, uh, and it's disappointing that because it's just so frustrating to see that. But on the other hand, it's not just the defense. It's the coaching from top to bottom at this point, this guy seems uh, Nick Sirianni seems to be, somewhat lost learning on the fly anyway like there's 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 so many symptoms of this between being one of the most penalized teams in the league not understanding uh what penalties to accept and not accept uh you know the 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 being competitive in each game is one thing but the end of the the end result is a lot different than how the games are played they've been down two touchdowns in most of these games, and then the quote comeback has come in in garbage time. Yeah, Sirianni. I mean, he's great with cliches, right? He's got a lot of the. <laughs> he's got a lot of those. It's Very like good pander. Every time I hear him talk, yeah, he's pandering, which I get to a point. But you're right on the penalties. I mean, that's got to be the most frustrating thing. I I understand. Trust me, I've been and I've lived it rooting for all those Browns teams. When you know going into the year that you're not really going to contend, it's unfortunate, but you want to just see a foundation of something you could build on. And that's where I'm, I'm unsure what the Eagles plan and, and, and what their roster is going to look like going forward. A team that blatantly last year, I mean, and I think that's part of this too, Tom, is that how last season ended where they blatantly just pulled the, pulled the ripcord in the middle of a game that they said, okay, we're going to be building for the long term. We want draft position. We're going to be, you know, going to the future. I got to think that that's part of the reason. Obviously, the market where you're playing, Philadelphia, as you know, is a passionate fan base that demands excellence. But 
the fact that they've been tanking, so to speak, for this, and this is what they're getting, has to play a part of it. And yeah, and the silver lining is the kind of all Eagles fans are, are tracking a Carson Wentz's snaps because that's kind of a big key to the future. Frankly, is is how many snaps he plays, yeah, which turns that pick into a, a, you know we could have an opportunity to have three pretty good first round picks to either trade up to get a guy we want or find three really good players in the first round. The problem is at the top, the guy who hired the coach, the owner who loves the GM and the GM who's proven he's not a great drafter. He's been and around so, that's where so the long too. Comes in. Yeah. Sorry, not sorry to cut you off there, but like, <laughs> I mean, how long's how he been in, in this position where he just hasn't gotten it done in the drafts? I mean, I feel like it's that, that seems like more of the problem than some of these other symptoms that you're mentioning. Oh, absolutely. And you see team, I mean, a team like the Cowboys pick a guy like Micah Parsons, they draft the receivers that, that should, you know, imagine the wide receiver, we, a lot of revisionist history here, but if you can imagine DK Metcalf and Justin Jefferson on the Eagles, <laughs> those were, that was a possibility. And, and they just decided to go with Jalen Rager and JJ Arcega Whiteside. <sighs> Yeah, like yeah. That, that that right there is a is a small little example of what we're talking about. Like you don't need to nail all of them, but just get you know get a hit there at, at some point. And and granted, revisionist history for sure. But Arkea Whiteside, that that Metcalf one. I mean, that's the one where it's like I, I don't I don't know I don't know what the evaluation looked like. Um, before we kind of move on, Tom, what do you think about Jalen Hurts as the QB? Maybe of the future, maybe not, depending on how he's looked. It seems like this is a a long audition process for him and they're giving him some rope, but what are your thoughts on Jalen as potentially the birds future quarterback? Yeah. And that's tough to say. I saw that his uh, quarterback rating or completion percentage anyway was uh, 29th in the league. And, and if you see the names around him, it's, an, it's basically all first or second year quarterbacks, uh, which is expected from, if you look around the league, how many young quarterbacks are starting and, and are struggling, frankly, uh, you know, with the exception of being Justin Herbert, I, I guess. I, I think the jury's still out on on Hertz. I don't think necessarily that he's locked in by any means. It's you know a stretch to think he might finish the season. To be honest, mm-hmm. if uh, if things keep going this way, you know the Eagles traded Joe Flacco today to the Jets for a, a I guess a conditional fifth round pick, and so Gardner Minshew would be the next guy up, which is just another stopgap you know scramble around when when things break down, but. I'm not sure the other side of this is I'm not sure what he's being told by the coaching staff. Yeah. The RPO mm-hmm. versus the, you know, lack of Lane Johnson, Brandon Brooks, that type of, uh, you know, the offensive line continues to be injury marred, you know, the last two years, which also contributes to confidence and, and things like that. But the coaching staff should be able to help him out in the first five weeks running the ball like 70% or running the ball like five or seven times a game is not going to help the confidence of a young quarterback. Yeah, I think there's some potential there, and he's going to have to make that leap in the next year when, you know, that by that, I mean, this is essentially year one and a half, but by that year two, year three, full-time starter, that's when the leap has to happen. Now Josh Allen and maybe Herbert have spoiled it. Herbert looked great from the beginning, but that's where you're going to want to see development. And he might not make it through the year. He might be the guy. It's a weak QB class coming in, so we'll have to see. Uh, I know that the other part of it I, you, you mentioned, but that pains you, is that you were kind of sitting on level playing field a couple of years ago with the Cowboys. They drafted well, and they're they're sitting as a legit Super Bowl contender. 
Yeah, and it's a team in the Eagles that simply doesn't value the linebacker position, and they hire a defensive coordinator that runs a defense that kind of needs linebackers to, <laughs> to make it work, uh, you know, drop back really big and, and have the linebackers kind of exposed to make plays, and, and obviously that's not happening. Well, Tom, uh, the Eagles aren't the only you know subplot of this season. I know it's uh, there's a lot going on in the world of the NFL, uh, but I, I think the biggest thing is to, to monitor is what the heck is going on with the Kansas City Chiefs because this is a trend, as they would say, uh, but a scary one in that the offense is starting to no-show too. We kind of figured that the defense was bad based on some of the results, but you know they sit in the standings right now after this last game out of the playoff picture. Uh, they are three and four on the season, and the Titans, who don't exactly have an elite defense, held them to three points. So, I don't know. I mean, I feel like this is partly to uh, you know a bad defense, as we've seen, can deflate an offense. But there's clearly some stuff wrong with the Chiefs and this revamped, though not so much, offensive line. I'm, I've been, jar- it's been jarring, I would say, to see what's happened to the Chiefs this year. Yeah, and I, I I know from experience, you know, hearkening back to the the days with the Eagles, that Andy Reid has had outlier seasons, let's call them, where you know he he does sprinkle in a six and ten season every now and then. I'm not saying that the, the Chiefs are going to do that, but if I'm looking at their schedule, they're going to have a tough row uh, road as they continue this season. Uh, everybody in their division is good, you know, the Raiders, the Chargers, all above 500. They have to play the Steelers and the Bengals on the back half of this schedule and the Cowboys and Packers. So I don't know exactly, you know, they better figure it out soon is, is that's the only thing I can say. But if anybody's going to do it, it would be Andy and, and Patrick Mahomes. I don't think uh, they're down on themselves. They're, they're big losses coming to, you know, AFC contenders, the Bills and the Titans. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, I think there's, and, and frankly, the Chargers and Ravens. So like everybody that they've lost to is in the conversation for that maybe in uh, there in late January. So, uh, I think the AFC is has exceptional talent this year, and and it's just that challenge of being the best, you know, getting everybody's best shot every week. There's truth to that, and I think you're starting to see not having a an established run game is making Mahomes. You know, I don't buy into the factor that I don't buy into the the truth that they've completely figured out how to play against him. He's still an unbelievably gifted player. They have skilled players. They they aren't running the football well, and I think that's part of the deal too. But I keep going back to when your defense just gets gives up touchdown after touchdown, it will slow you down. The second half of this game, I mean, three total points, I think it's almost like an outlier at that point. You mentioned all the good teams that they've lost to. They will have to start beating some of them. That seventh playoff spot, though, Tom, I think we're going to learn a lot about this team in the next couple of weeks, but it might only take nine, ten wins to get in on a 17-game schedule. So I think the Chiefs are – I think the Chiefs are, are – you know, still have time to figure this out at three and four. Obviously, a lot of football left. The Titans, though, after losing to the Jets, they beat the Bills. They beat the Chiefs back to back. They're now five and two, and they have one of the best running back runs we've ever seen in the history of football. And if they have a defense to go with that, Tom, this was more of an assertive. Hey, the Titans are in the mix to contend now because a lot of people, myself included, were doubting them before they ran off these last two wins. And and yeah, that's kind of the old adage of if you have a running game and a defense, that's kind of the old school mentality that uh, that Mike Brable kind of uh, preaches down there. You know, yeah. stay the course, and and you kind of get stronger. It's com- it's almost going back to Nick Saban, to be honest. The, the old Alabama teams of his uh, of they they may you know be even for three quarters, but in the fourth quarter they're not going to want to tackle my big running back. No, uh, and and that's kind of that formula there, and. And their schedule's not not nearly as formidable as the as the Chiefs. 
in that AFC South. So uh, we'll see what the Colts give you give them this weekend. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm really high on on the Titans. I think uh, them and the Bills are are the top two teams in the AFC for my money. Tom Weisenbach here on the Money Mitch Effect. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned those two as the as the teams. I'm I'm just wondering, are we supposed to take the Bengals seriously now? Because I know they they beat the Ravens and they did it in, in impressive kind of beat them going away really. I know that bad games and outlier games happen in the NFL. They're all professionals, but the Bengals have been putting together some great football for the last couple of weeks now. And Joe Burrow, for all the hype and deservedly so praised that Justin Herbert's getting, Burrow and Burrow and Chase specifically have turned into quite the elite dynamic duo in the NFL. So I'm just asking you, is this the Bengals team? Do you think they are legit? I think the jury's still out on that. There's no doubt that Jamar Chase has elevated the play of Joe Burrow. That that offensive line keeping him upright is kind of a key too. I know um, that was one of the reasons that they fell off last year. And then, and then with any of these teams, it's the health of the marquee player that really comes into play. Now they have a chance to make a run like everybody else in the AFC, but I frankly think that there's too many good teams in the playoffs. It'll be a nice story, similarly to Cleveland winning a playoff game last year. It'll be a nice story of them getting you know up to the playoffs, getting a, a, maybe a, a win or a wild card win. Uh, depending on how the division shakes out. But, I mean, that's a tough division just as well. So uh, there's still a lot lot to be determined in the AFC North. Yeah, there is. And, and I think, look, the Ravens on the flip side of this, Tom, I mean, they have been flirting with losses. I mean, let's just call it for what it is. They barely beat the Detroit Lions on Justin Tucker's longest kick in NFL history. The Chiefs game was an epic comeback. And then, of course, the Colts game on Monday night was an even crazier comeback. I still maintain the belief that this is a flawed team that's playing well and, and outperforming right now. I also will give the Ravens credit in this regard. I think Lamar Jackson is most valuable by that definition if you took any of these other quarterbacks, maybe Derrick Henry if you if you want to open it up to running backs, but certainly of all the quarterbacks, I don't think there's anybody that, that whose team would collapse faster if they weren't on it. Yeah, their game plan was just strange. It seemed like they had to. They just rolled the ball out and said, "All right, Lamar, try and win it for us." And and uh, it just obviously didn't work out. And the, the the long, if they get down in a game, it's harder for them to come back with with that mentality. I I, I agree. I also think as as we were looking at this division at the start of the year, we thought there'd be three teams contending. All four are still technically in it with the Browns and the Steelers, but the Bengals and Ravens playing this game. The Ravens have have had a stranglehold have had their footprint, I should say, in this division for a long time. I think, like you mentioned, the Bengals' the jury's out because until they do it, we're not going to really believe them, even if that gets even if that gets them into the playoffs. The Ravens throw in these kind of clunker games, and in a weird way, Tom, I think a loss might snap them back to reality. Like, I think this performance and these some of these head-scratching head scratching decisions might you know jolt them back and do, hey, let's just do what we're, we're good at. Yeah, and it's a classic division rival game. You know, you get – you get the you know the classic Dolphins beat the Patriots every year, and so you get some of those upsets in each season. So I don't think it's anything to worry about for the Ravens. But the only thing that's alarming is can Lamar Jackson throw the ball the way yep. he will need to in the big moments? Remains to be seen. Uh, I do want to also mention the rest of this division. I'm not on like nervous times with the Browns, Tom, but I'm at a point where I'm just you know obviously praying for no more injuries, but. Uh, concerned with uh, the future health of this quarterback as his body starts breaking down. And, you know, I, I have to have my guards up for 
Odell Beckham Jr., who can't stay on the field and can't make a big play. I think there's some concerns in, in Cleveland is what I'm trying to say. Do you want Odell Beckham back? Because there's some that think that he puts a little bit too much pressure on Baker to kind of uh, kowtow to him, to get the ball to him, to keep him happy type of thing. Or are you of the mind that get as much talent on the field as we can? Well, here's the thing, right? And I know this is going to sound like a cop-out, but do we know that the Browns' offense is good enough to win with the talent assembled without Beckham? I don't think it is. So it's almost like this is the path they've chosen. You know, this this year they're going to need Beckham to accomplish their goals. He's going to have to step on the field and he's going to have to perform because I just don't think they have enough pop outside of that running game. And that's the other thing with Chubb and Hunt down. I mean, you're, you you have this elite running game, and I know Dearness Johnson played great, and it was an unbelievable story how, how great this team is. But that one-two running back duo, which I think is still when healthy the best in football, I mean, that's the key to everything. That's the key to limiting Baker Mayfield's mistakes and weaknesses. It's, you know, not putting the ball in the hands of guys that have dropped it like Beckham. But I think they've got to they've got to do what they can to get everybody healthy because the Bengals are coming. The Ravens aren't going anywhere. And this AFC at the top is pretty loaded if they're if they're serious about contending. Absolutely. And and we just talked about the Titans. It's that same formula. But if you guys have more skilled people on the outside, it just makes you a lot more dangerous. But looking at these scores, it looks I mean, y'all got to stop somebody in order to win some of these games. Yeah. I was at that Herbert uh, Chargers-Browns game, and it was good until the fourth quarter when Herbert just started unloading points right in my face in the corner of that end zone. So uh, he, he's something, Big man. Big 12 game broke out. It, it really was. It was out of control. No stops at all. Uh, yeah, and just looking at some of the other NFL news and notes from, from this past week and what we've we've seen. I mean, Tampa Bay rolled over Chicago. I, I never thought I'd see a quarterback throw for 600 career touchdown passes, but... I think Brady's going to play till he's 50, so we should get ready for 700, I guess. Yeah, I wouldn't put it past me. That guy still looks better than, than I do at my age, so i got to eat what he's eating. He's getting younger. I don't understand it. It's very, it's very bizarre. Um, and, and I will say this. I don't think that they could pay Peyton Manning and Eli Manning enough during bad games because that was the only reason to watch the uh, Monday night game with the Saints and Seahawks was the Manning cast getting Brady, Marshawn, Drew Brees on there. Uh, it was, and you could also tell Peyton, Eli, but mostly Peyton, were, were just, was just disgusted by the QB play he was seeing, like somebody ruining or, or, or just throwing up all over your life, life's work. Yeah, and it, it was almost like watching him at his passing camp, uh, you know, trying to, to tell the high school kids what the right decision is to do uh, and just being so frustrated. But uh, frankly, I didn't even watch a second of that game, but what I did do was watch Tom Brady's interview on YouTube the next day. So you're right. I'm sure the uh, ESPN will be happily cover the FCC fines for Marshawn Lynch's um, curse words. But yeah, they just, I don't think they mind. No, no, they definitely are. not. I think they just need those guys on call. Like if you, (laughs) If a game, if a bad game breaks out, just call up the Mannings, let them talk football, and just entertain us. Well, you know. Yeah, I wish they would do it more often. I was uh, disappointed that they had stopped in those after those early weeks. That was really entertaining. Even in the games where my team was losing, I was happy to see what the uh, take was and and the interviews. It's it's almost like a talk show where a football game is kind of on in the background. It's it's really entertaining. Before we look ahead at this week's games, I'll ask you a a short question we can expand upon. Who do you think the best team in the NFC is right now? 
tough one. Yeah, the hottest team is the Packers, uh, but I can't say that uh, I w- I'd have to say the Bucks. I mean, there's there's really no other team at the top of my. I know the Cowboys are also a contender at this point in the season, but no we'll undefeated see what happens Cardinals, no undefeated Cardinals. Oh yeah, that's see, that's like I can give you one from every division, and we'll mm-hmm. see what happens. <laughs> well, two. I I think there's I mean, yeah, there's five premier teams, right? Like the the Rams and Cardinals from the West, and then you get one from every division. That said, I would I would just say Bucks because we know we know Tom Brady and we know what they do and they've done it against all these teams in in the most recent single elimination playoff format. I would uh, I know you're not going to want to hear this, but the Cowboys look like they are as good as any of these teams. Yeah, and it's that speed on defense. Like honestly, mm-hmm. Michael Parsons and Diggs uh, is a, really is makes a, is insane. Thing. I mean, Diggs is and that was another second round guy, right? Like I think that's where they drafted him. Yeah. And so, like, like that's exactly the the point you made earlier in the show was just a couple of shrewd defensive moves of of not outsmarting yourself and just picking the best athlete in the position that you have a need yeah. uh, tends to to be the right move. And and a ball hawk like Diggs with a brother like Stefan, uh, obviously, there's some hands in that family, and uh, the ball finds finds good talent. And the Cardinals, I mean, they haven't had those resume, you know, building wins. I know they beat the Rams down, and that was the best win they've had by far. But, you know, another chance here as we go forward to this week's set of games. Although, this is where I feel bad for both teams, right? The Packers might have a little COVID situation. No Devontae Adams, no Lazard. Suddenly their receivers are super thin. And part of me also thinks that if the Cardinals don't win this game, that's all that everyone's going to talk about. Like, they're going to be that team that could be 8 no just beat the NFC North leading Packers and teams still won't give them just due. I just, I wanted to see everyone healthy in this game, but unfortunately with Adams out, especially that's not the case. Oh, thanks for telling me another one of my fantasy football (laughs) players isn't playing this week. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry to break that to you, but we should know now it's not a last minute, you know, cancellation. (laughs) That Uh, might change my, uh, my pick for this Thursday night then. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I was expecting the Packers to really show their muscle, Aaron Rodgers to come back, and, and Arizona to, to, you know, never gone 8-0, have they? So <laughs> we'll see uh, how that goes. But, yeah, that that does definitely factor in, especially on a short week. I, I, I don't see how they can overcome that. Line went from 3.5 to 6.5, but I think if there's one guy that could do it, it might be Aaron Rodgers, who's got this, like, hippie vibe where it's like, I'm not really trying, but in a way him being relaxed has made him somewhat of a better quarterback. That vibe's kind of hard to figure out, but if there's one guy that can pull this off, maybe it's him. Yeah, and, and yeah, with with Lett, anyway. I don't know who else they have. They've done it before with the you know the the running back position and and putting Ty Montgomery back there, and they've they've adjusted on the fly before. So we'll see what happens. I think uh, the trade deadline's not. It's next week, right? It's like next Tuesday or Wednesday or something. Do I have that right? I think I think I do. Uh, yeah, I trust you more than. More than me well, on that. I bring that up because we're going full circle to the top here. Eagles Lions is one of the games, and I feel like if there's any if there's any saving grace, like if the Eagles lose this game, then it's the fire sale time. And, but who are you gonna like? I am of two opinions with the Eagles. So let's say if Jalen Hurts is not the real deal, do they try to position themselves to trade for somebody like Russell Wilson in the off season? Ooh. Now, that you know, Deshaun Watson's been thrown around, but it looks like they have a Miami has kind of the hot 
lead on him, but uh, you know, there's a lot more to, at play there. Um, so I'm not necessarily thinking, I know Howie Roseman's kind of known for the, being a trader, uh, being a person who trades, yeah, not I someone did. who. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we have to clarify that. I'm glad you did. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh. So, you know, you never know what he's going to end up pulling out of his hat at this time of year. But uh, obviously, the Earth trade was kind of a big deal. They 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 like that. It was very actually refreshing to to have a tight end catch a ball in Midnight Green and not have to wonder if it's Dallas Goddard or Zach Ertz because the eighty eight the eighty six looks so similar. Yeah. Uh, but but if if they if uh, I don't know who anybody like are you talking about Fletcher Cox being on the the debt. Like, I don't know who else would be someone of value. Yeah. That no, it's true. I mean, I was bringing that up because of his reputation. But, yeah, maybe they the cupboard is as bare as possible for now. Um, we'll see. I mean, I, I actually I would agree with that strategy. Given that it's a weak QB class, I would say at that point, like, yeah, if you're going to make a move, then maybe position yourself to trade for one of those disgruntled stars. If Aaron Rodgers wants out, you know, he might be sitting around too. I mean, there's, there's just a lot of and speculation. And if you have three first-round picks, yes. you have the, the – the, the and the extra fifth round pick now you, like you have a lot of picks to figure out your quarterback situation and that that's always been Howie Roseman's mo is to to be a quarterback factory. I'm gonna also, and they they ran after Peyton Manning when when did. he went to the Broncos. They took they made a run after him. They made a run after everybody who's available. So you know you can never be too sure with them in that position. They did. Um, I'm going to be glued, obviously, to Brown Steelers. For the love of God, I can't take another Pittsburgh win in the city of Cleveland. And, uh, yeah, and I think, oddly enough, I never thought we'd be eight weeks in, you know, still alive in my uh, survivor pool, but I think Bengals is my best option given who I've used so far this year. Bengals over Jets. I, I, Cincinnati <laughs> getting, a former, giving, getting an easy schedule game at 5-2. and two. Who knew? Hey, I, I'm rooting for you. That would be awesome. I know uh... – are they going to start Joe Flacco cold? Just coming in like <laughs> it's Mike White or Joe Flacco? Oh boy! Yeah, where did Mike White go to college? It was one of the. I think it was like Western Kentucky. Like I remember hearing it. Like I didn't know that. I think I just. I think that's what I heard. But heck of a musician, that's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's for sure. All right, Tom. We we saved the worst for last because we're going to switch to basketball now. We actually recorded this after you, know, you had to wait for the Sixers Knicks game to end. Uh, or did you have to wait for it to end? We could have actually probably done this at halftime, but I digress. Not the game you wanted to see Sixers lose another one to the Knicks, but the bigger picture I wanted to talk about is just where this team's at. One of the most brutal off seasons I think a fan base can have when you have a team with talent and you have that disgruntled, I won't even say star, disgruntled player, player situation because I think the term star gets thrown around too loosely. But this Ben Simmons thing, and, and I do feel bad for you because – it's just brutal all the way around. You're someone that's in the thick of this every day following the Sixers. And uh, I've just been – I've been appalled, and I hate to use that term, but I've been appalled at how he's not taking accountability for his failures, number one. And two, just the, the fact that he's kind of – the fact that he has fully let down you know, his teammates, his brothers in that locker room. So those are the two things that, that have uh, stood out to me. There's an entitlement factor there as well, which I can let you get into. But where are you at now with this team, Ben Simmons, and the Sixers' 21-22 aspirations? Yeah, I think right now um, you don't really know what the team is without Ben Simmons at this stage because not that he's the same player, but they're not a full-strength shake. Milton should be the starting point guard at this stage. Tyrese Maxey's kind of been thrown into that group. 
uh, right now to start. And it appears that he's just not ready for that starting point guard role on account of he's never played the position in his life. So that's, that's the first scenario. The second thing is this team is only as, and always has been on the knee of Joel Embiid in, in his health. So judging by the fact that, you know, one game in, he's already nursing a knee injury is, is does not bode well there. So the team itself that's on the floor, that's kind of the assessment there. Um, Tobias Harris is, is definitely not, he's a very good player, but I don't think he's living up to his contract. And I don't think he ever will live up to that contract um, in, in, and take his game to that next level. Anyway, it was um, a big one. Right. And so, you know, he is one that has actually gotten off a little bit, the heat off of him from the playoff performance because Ben has uh, shouldered a lot of that brunt, but he did not perform up to his standard that he, that, uh, he needed to before during that, during that playoff run. Now, if we want to get to, to Ben, frankly, this guy is a clown, but let me try to organize my thoughts. No, it's fine. I, I understand. I, I Look, I would have the same reaction if it was a player that I rooted for in a, in a professional sp- franchise that I support. I, and look, I, and, I, and I keep putting back to this, like the Jason Kelsey thing that outlined it perfectly. Like, fans can deal with failure to a point. I mean, I understand that, right? Like, if you don't get it done in the big moments, but you just dig back in and just basically say, F this, I'm going to come back and work harder, you might not – you might wait on him, and you might have your doubts about can they actually do it, but you'll respect the fact that, okay, this guy owned up to what happened, his his lack of decision-making, which obviously was weird. He wasn't shooting the whole playoffs. But, okay, if he said, look, I had some stuff wrong, I lost my confidence, I'm going to work a little harder, and I was, you know, frankly a little hurt that I was in trade rumors, okay, well, dig back in, go back to work. But this whole three-month, like, I don't even – it's like a do si type thing where he's like, I'm go- I want to get traded. I won't report. You're messing with my money. I guess I'll show up. Um, you know, n- not putting any effort into practice. That's the part where I'm like, okay, old school, old football, old hockey locker rooms, this is handled internally by the players, and some feelings might really get hurt. But that's my whole thing is like, well, an, this- you know, an altercation can be good, can get stuff out in the open, and players can move past it, much like Dwight Howard and Anthony Davis seem to have from the Lakers game. But I just think there's been no accountability. There's been no reckoning, so to speak. And I think that's what's really going to never – like there's never going to be closure with this thing until some people you know, have that, have that reckoning. Right. And so this, to me, all starts with his decision not to play in the Olympics. Uh, I think it, his mind, he said, I don't care if the Sixers – if I increase – I don't want to increase my trade value because I want to uh, make sure the Sixers – don't get anything in return for me because I dislike how they've treated me so much. Right. So that's the immature side of things. If he was on that team, they had a really good shot at competing for a gold medal. They were, they were competing for a bronze with him on the team. I think that team's an elite defensive team and, and has a potential chance to, to compete with France and the United States in the gold medal situation. Yeah. He didn't want to do that because he, he, quote, said he wanted to work on his game. Instead, he's out, you know, gallivanting wherever wherever he is with whichever girl he's with at this time. Now, that's kind of the first part of the offseason for me that rubbed me the wrong way. If you really want to get better, play against the international competition. Compete for a gold medal. If you only care about money, then that it's obvious that that's where your uh, loyalties lie. Now, during the offseason – he, his camp continues to say, oh, well, I just want to be traded to a California team. Okay, well, 
good for you, kid. But like you signed a contract and you are on the hook for these four years and you don't get a say in where you go. Mm -hmm. That's up to us. And that's just not how this works, kid. So, (laughs) so that's the second thing. And then, so the third part is what you alluded to is the most recent part of him thinking he might've gotten his money and then he would have maybe paid them or not. But when the Sixers who have all the, all of the leverage, by the way, maybe the success on the court is the leverage that Ben has, but the Sixers have all of the leverage in this situation, and it seems that Daryl Morey is just content to let it play out no matter what. But I'm still unsure if they're serious about him, like them wanting him to stay on the team and actually still play, because I don't think that'll work ever in the city with the fans. <laughs> but it's so absolutely conniving that he, reply, he comes and reports to camp, takes his test without telling anybody, is COVID test anyway, without telling anybody before one of the preseason games, only because he was getting fined $300,000 a game. And he then finds the loophole in the players association that, you know, mental health is, is something that you can still get paid for or not suspended for or whatever. And then maybe, maybe there is a little bit of that, but a lot of the mental health situation with him is a maturity factor. Mm-hmm. He only hires people that are yes men around mm-hmm. him. His brother is his shooting coach. For four years, he's been shooting threes on Instagram, you know, in the off season. yet has yet to consistently take any jump shots in the game. You look at what Giannis Antetokounmpo does. He's not afraid of embarrassing himself at the yeah. free throw line, at the three-point line. He's trying to get better every single day. There has been zero progression in Ben Simmons' game. And it seems to me like once he got to the NBA – he was like, okay, I made it. Now I'm going to be a millionaire. And that'll be fine with me. I don't think he's interested in winning. I don't think you're wrong when you say that. And it's a it's a bold claim, but the evidence is there. I mean, some people are just content. And he, quite frankly, doesn't look like he looks in the mirror and sees any problem with this. And, and you mentioned it too. The Sixers have all the leverage, except for the fact that it, if Ben Simmons doesn't really care about playing basketball, then he'll be fine to sit out, call the Sixers bluff, let them kind of bleed out on the court because without him or some sort of suitable replacement, this team's not contending for a legit title. I think you would agree with that as well. So it's a oh, question absolutely, of, but that's yeah. the whole point of yeah. uh, this. Uh, to your first point of potential for the for the twenty one twenty two season is hinging hinging on what if slash what they can get for that asset. It's if they can get a player and a pick that can contribute, that would be ideal. I still am not sure. It's like who would trade for him, though? Like, and, and I get that the people want to trade for him, but it's like they want him to bottom out and give up next to nothing. But who would give up those kind of resources for this guy, for what you're seeing? You know, that, that's that's the other side of this, too. I mean, I, my, my outside-the-box theory yeah, on this one, yeah. this is one to make everybody happy. It'll never happen. Uh, his his old buddy LeBron. Oh God! <laughs> Russell Westbrook comes by. It doesn't quite work out. It's like late December, maybe mid January. Yeah. And uh, and everybody's not happy. Maybe they make that deal. Oh man! If that does happen, uh, I'll give you a lot of credit. I'll also be ready for either a Lakers title or just the most flame out season possible. And there will be no in between there I think but yeah that's exactly what the Sixers need is another is a shorter guard who doesn't defend who also can't shoot <laughs> it was an aging and, and is aging oh Amen. god 
Oh God. Well, hey Tom, I uh, I do express my condolences for this whole Ben Simmons thing, but you're a tough Philly sports fan, so you'll get through it. And you've got Embiid, who actually wants to be there. Hopefully, he stays healthy. And uh, the NBA season just starting. It's still time to figure all this stuff out. There sure is, and I'll be watching every single moment of it. <laughs> I know you will. Tom Weisenbach, thanks for joining the Money Mitch Effect. Happy to have you on, as always. Thanks again. Love to be here. And that's going to do it for today's show. Big thanks once again to Matt Gothard and Tom Weisenbach for appearing as guests. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. And you can catch every episode of this show on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Just search Money Mitch Effect, leave a rating, review, subscribe. It's all on all your podcast platforms. Check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page and follow me on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21. We will be back next week to talk more football. Also got to talk some hockey. The Kraken are in the NHL, which uh, we love to see. The Blue Jackets are surprisingly doing well. Teams like the St. Louis Blues, the Florida Panthers, and the Carolina Hurricanes started out hot. And there's a lot to like about Connor McDavid as he continues to impress with the Edmonton Oilers. Some bad teams as well, too. But we'll get into all that next week. I'm Mitch Michaels. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Until next time, thank you for listening, and keep enjoying sports.